Verse 4. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we can lift up and boast about and say how great it was. In Ephesians 2, and you're all familiar with this, for by the grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of your works. At least you should boast. This is what happens with the poor in spirit. God's grace when we surrender is poured out upon us. And then we go into blessed are the mourn, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, you have a certain type of mourning. You have a natural mourning where you're grieving for somebody you have lost, a loved one who has passed on, a friend, whatever that has just moved on, that has died. And you mourn and you grieve. But then you have a sinful mourning. And this is a pinning for something that God has not given. This is a kind of mourning where you say, geez, I wish I'd have gotten that. Oh, why did that person get this and I didn't get it? How come I couldn't achieve that? How do I receive that? God, why didn't you give that to me? And, and you're mourning about it. You're, when we put it in easy terms, you're pouting. But it's a sinful pout. You find the story in 1 Kings, chapter 21, of Naboth's vineyard. Now, Naboth. had a vineyard in Jezreel. King Ahab was the ruler over the area. And you know who King Ahab was married to? Jezebel. So, King Ahab sees Naboth's vineyard. And he offers Naboth, he says, look, I'll exchange this vineyard with any vineyard you want. This vineyard is very close to my palace. I'd like to have that land. I want to make it into a vegetable garden. And I'll give you any vineyard you want in the territory, in, the, in my kingdom. Or I'll even buy it from you for a price that is more than what it's really worth. And Nabor says, no, I can't give that to you because it was an inheritance to me and I'm not comfortable getting rid of that. You know, to take that into to modern consideration, this strip mall was at one time three different units. There was 7,400, and then there were the ones 7,420, and then up and around, and then there was another section. And I asked them one time, I said, why don't you sell us 7,400? You can hold the mortgage, We'll pay you a decent interest rate. And the owner said to me, he said, that I'm not comfortable doing that. It was something my father owned. And, and we're not comfortable selling it off right now. But I'll keep that in mind. And this is the same thing Naboth said to King Ahab. 
So Ahab comes home and he goes into bed and you know he kind of looks at the wall and he's kind of staring off and he, he refuses to eat. He, he's pouting. He's throwing himself a pity party. And he's whining. The guy won't sell me the vineyard. The guy I offered him all kinds of things. And he won't do it. Jezebel says, Don't you worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. So she writes a letter to the town elders. She puts King Ahab's seal on it, making it seem like it is his. And they called for a fast. And they put Nabor in a place of prominence before the people. And then she put two, the scriptures call them scoundrels. You can call them whatever you want, but they put these two people in the audience of this thing meeting. And they have them go out and they make all kinds of statements about Nabal that are not true. And they have him taken outside and stoned to death. And Jezebel comes back and says, hey, uh, you don't have to worry about that property anymore. Nabal's dead, you can go claim it. <laughs> I'll take it. So she got it for him for free. But he was mourning because he wanted something. And he wanted it in a sinful way. And he couldn't have it. And then there's a type of spiritual mourning where we mourn about our sorrow for the sins that we've committed to God. Now, all of you that have been touched by the Holy Spirit, you know when you sin against God, sometimes it just eats away at us. You know, it puts us into a position where we, we have to surrender ourselves. And we, we feel bad that we sinned and we, we're on our knees and we're asking God's forgiveness and we're trying to repent of these things. And that's the kind of mourning. And that's the kind of mourning that God says, those people that mourn like this, that are truly repentant and they're really upset with the fact that they sinned against me, I'm going to comfort them. I've sent them the Holy Spirit. For what it says in 2 Corinthians, verse 7 is, for godly sorrow produces repentance. Godly sorrow produces repentance. But worldly sorrow produces death. Think about that. And back to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Yeah. Call upon him while he was near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will be abundantly, abundantly pardoned. Not just a little pardon. Not just a tiny, oh, okay, you're forgiven, move on. No, God says I'm going to abundantly 
pardon you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to bring you comfort and you're going to feel great in my presence. You're going to feel absolutely great. And Timothy tells us, but God's truth stands firm like the foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. We just must do it. We must turn away from evil. So it comes down to this. How do we recognize sin in our own lives? One way, God's word. In Psalm 19.8, it tells us, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I mean, so many times in scripture, you see them talking about the blind. They're spiritually blind. They can't see the goodness of God right in front of them. I mean, in Paul's encounter, he was blinded. But when he opened his eyes, he saw the goodness of God. He saw and he repented of all his wicked ways and became a great apostle. In John chapter 16, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. And we've all experienced the Holy Spirit telling us, that's wrong, don't do it, it's a sin, repent. And you turn around and you committed the sin and you feel guilty. Especially if you're godly, you're gonna feel guilty. If you're worldly, you're just gonna, it's gonna roll off of you and you're just gonna keep on going. But if you're godly, you're gonna know, geez, what have I done? You know, this isn't right. And, and you get into a prayer closet, you get somewhere, and you repent of your sins, you ask God's forgiveness, and he tells us he's going to abundantly pardon us because he sees the pureness of your heart. And in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, if I'm not doing right, if I'm, you know, if I'm grieving, but I'm not grieving for the right way or the right reasons, see it in my heart. Turn me in the right direction. Bring me back to the way you would have me go. One of the toughest things in all scripture is James chapter 5, verse 16. This is tough. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful thoughts. Confess your sins to each other. That is hard. Because you may be able to find someone, and if you don't have someone, find someone Amen. that you confess your things, sins to, even if they're thoughts. 
The problem is we worry about you confess your sin to somebody, and the next thing you know, you see a text group going out. <laughs> so and so did this. So and so did that. Find someone you can trust to just keep it to themselves. Because it will relieve your spirit. This is what James is trying to say. And pray for each other. Because when you do that, there's a healing process that begins to take place. It means we don't have to carry this with us any longer. We've released it. And, and you know, sometimes they, they tell you when you confess your sins, even if you're sitting at the altar and you're confessing it to God, you speak it. You don't have to speak it loud enough that the whole entire world hears you. But you have to speak it enough so that you hear it. Because when you hear it, it does change things. And he tells us the earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power. And it does. I mean, there's people in this room that people have confessed sins to. And there's people in this room who have confessed sins to other people. And it brings about a cleansing. You can be witnesses to that. You know that. You know what James is saying is true. So how do we mourn over our sin and get this comfort that the Lord is talking about? We have to weigh in what the sin has done to us individually. How has it affected us? How has it changed our heart? How has it changed our relationship with God? How has it changed our relationship with our, our spouse, our friends, our co-worker? How has it changed us? Because we have to be able to recognize what sin does to others. You may not think that you've committed a sin that it affects anybody other than you, but you're wrong. Mm -hmm. It affects everybody you know. Because they see a change in you. They see a difference in you. They know that there is something off. Yes. But we also have to consider what your sin did to Christ. The sins that I've committed in the world and the sins that I may still commit put Christ on that cross. He went up there for my sin. He paid the price for my sin. Yeah. He said he paid the price for the sin of mankind. But I'm part of mankind. Yeah. And he paid the price for my sin. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ personally died for my sin. And you can stand up and say he personally died for your sin. Amen. But he personally died for my sin. Amen. He went on that cross and said, Paying the price for my sin. Yes. Paying the price. I'm covering that. So what has Christ done for you? He has paid the price for your sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be. What did Jesus say? I will send you the Holy Spirit. I will send you the Comforter. 
Where does the comfort come from? Back to Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts, the unrighteous. Let them return to the Lord and he will have mercy. He will have mercy. He has mercy on me and he pardoned me abundantly. What does that mean? Even the sins that I may commit five years from now, Jesus paid the price for them. He abundantly pardoned me if I call upon his name. He says, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. That's where the comfort comes from. That's where the comfort comes from. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. We live in the world, we're going to spiritually be dead forever. Christ gave us life. Romans 7, chapter 8, chapter 7, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, Paul speaking, that is in my sinful nature. There's nothing good in my sinful nature, Paul saying, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Isn't that the sinful nature of people? And this is what Paul was saying about himself. I wanted to do what was right, but I just didn't. I knew what I was going to do was wrong, but I did it anyway. Sinful nature. In verse 24 of the same chapter, it says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who's going to free me from this life? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ that makes all the difference. It's Jesus Christ that makes all the difference. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Don't you realize that those of you who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? I mean, there's people out there that are so convinced that God is so great and God is so merciful that he's not going to send anybody to hell. That's not what scripture says. That's not what the Bible says. That's what the world, that's the lie of the devil trying to convince the world that living in their sin is okay. But it's not. He goes on, don't fool yourselves. Those of you who indulge in sexual sin 
or worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. None of them. Turn from your wicked ways is the only thing. And then he goes on in scripture and he says, some of you were once like that. Some of you were just those same people that I just described. You were involved in those things. You were involved in sexual sin, worshiping an idol. What's an idol? Money's an idol. Cars are an idol. Fashion is an idol. Designer, this is an idol if you're worshiping it. Anything that you're worshiping more than you're worshiping God. Living certain lifestyles. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, you were once like that. But you were cleansed. The good news is you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. These are the things we have to realize, that we called upon Jesus, we surrendered our life to Christ, and he said, you're cleansed of all unrighteousness. Your old nature is gone. You are brand new in me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand. There may be weeping in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. before you this morning we thank you we thank you for pouring out your blood and covering our sins Lord we thank you for sending a Holy Spirit to bring us comfort, to bring us joy to help us live a life of peace and joy Lord we thank you for all that you've done in our lives Lord Oh, Lord, we just welcome your presence this morning. Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning to thank you, to praise your holy name, to worship you, to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory. truly deserve it. We'll open up the altars this morning. If you need prayer, if you just want to come down and, and say to God, thank you, God, thank you. God, thank you for your son Jesus Christ. The altars are open. Oh Lord, we give you praise this morning. We give you glory this morning. We thank you, God.